welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Coming to you live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, welcome to Positively West Virginia. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Today, we're going to visit with John Little. He's the CEO and head distiller of Smooth Ambler Spirits, located in Maxwellton, West Virginia. And that's, of course, in Greenbrier County. But first, a little bit about our mission. Each week, we talk with West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with people just like you in West Virginia and across the country. When we first started this podcast project back in 2017, one of the things we wanted to do was encourage our listeners with inspirational business stories from right here in the Mountain State. To date, we've produced more than 200 episodes and Positively West Virginia is now a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can learn more about our mission of advancing small business and entrepreneurship in West Virginia at PositivelyWV.com. You know, we get to see so many positive things happening in West Virginia business every day that a lot of people never get to hear about. So my team at Interaction Media, we're working to change that with this show so that people realize you don't have to leave West Virginia to find great business opportunities that are right here in our state. We want to encourage people to stay here and build great companies and organizations right here in West Virginia. All of our guests are people who are actually getting that done day in and day out. And I'm convinced we can all learn from their experiences and most importantly, their stories. Our guest once again today is John Little. He's the CEO and head distiller of Smooth Ambler Spirits in Maxwellton, West Virginia. Of course, Greenbrier County. John, thanks for being on the show today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you know we, we we certainly love to talk about what we're doing here in uh, in Maxwell and, I, and uh, the impact we think we're making. I love it, man, and I can't wait to learn about your company. Uh, and I'm excited to have you on the show. A native North Carolinian, John Little began his career in distilling in 2008 as the inception for the business that would become Smooth Ambler Spirits first began to take flight. With John at the helm, what began as a small craft distiller with a limited regional reach has flourished in one, into one of the most respected small production distilleries in the United States, winning coveted awards as well as intense public praise. As CEO and head distiller, John continues to lead Smooth Ambler team with passion, determination, straight shooting, and an ever-vigilant eye toward quality of spirits and quality of life. We invited John on the show today to talk about his company, to share their story, and to give our audience some valuable insight into the company that he leads right here in West Virginia, Smooth Ambler Spirits. John, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that very brief intro that I just gave into your company, and give us a little behind the, uh, the curtain look into your business. Well, uh, you know, this, that bio certainly sounds really good when you write those things yourself. You know, you can make yourself sound pretty good. Love um, you know, we, we, my father-in-law, Tad Gallion, um, who's you know, been in West Virginia his entire life, um, uh, whose father was in the car business there in Charleston, he and I were in another business together. And um, we were looking for ways, you know, the concept of the idea, we were looking for ways to add value in West Virginia to do something here that we thought that would, that would make a difference, right? We think the people are really wonderful. The, the resources here that most people care about, uh, you know, good community, good, clean air, good, clean water. Um, 
those things are, are here, a uh, great place to live. And we were just trying to create something that added some value. So we looked at all sorts of things, making furniture, making clothes, uh, you know, you, you name it, we looked at it. And uh, my father-in-law saw an article in the in Time magazine that talked about the growth of the micro distilling business. And um, that really is, you know, he put a little smart, a smart aleck comment in the upper corner of that story. It said, uh, we can do this in your garage. And, um, you know, that, that really has been the masthead. It still hangs in the distillery now. It's really what started the, you know, the idea for the business. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of how we got started. We we fell into the whiskey business basically. That, that's that's an incredible backstory. I love that that insight there. John, take us to your thirty second pitch. I always love to hear people say what it is you tell people that you do at Smooth Ambler Spirits. Get, let us hear your thirty second pitch. Yeah, we're we're a non traditional way of making whiskey, right? We're we're not Kentucky bourbon. You can make bourbon anywhere in the U.S., but we're we're, you know, we're not Kentucky. So we're, we're all out there trying to figure out how to make uh, whiskey in a unique and different way and to be a little uh, non-conforming. So we, we make a lot of whiskey here from scratch. We source whiskey from other distilleries. And then we have um, a, a brand called Contradiction that is a blend of those two different efforts. So some things that we make and some things that we don't. And I, I think those three different things, right, that what we call make, marry, and merchant bottling. I think those things that makes us a unique player in in the whiskey world, and I think it gives us the flexibility to make some really unique products. Yeah, I love it, man. That's that's well stated. I appreciate that as well. John, tell us the the thing you're most excited about for Smooth Ambler right now. Uh, wow, that's a great question, and it's something we've actually been thinking about. The thing that I'm most excited about. Over the last couple of years, we've we've had some inventory challenges, right? Our business was growing and we really didn't prepare ourselves well enough maybe six or seven years ago to face the stuff that we faced over the last three years with our with some inventory, right? The problem with, with bourbon is it's gotta be mature before you sell it. Right. Or or before people want to drink it. And so <laughs> um we we had some challenges. I think now we're in a spot that the future is really, really bright for us. We we put those uh, inventory challenges behind us. Our branding has never been stronger. Our understanding of the market has never been better. And you know, we've, we've never made better whiskey than we make today. And so the thing that I'm most excited about is the future. I've never, we've never been more prepared. And, and, and quite frankly, COVID helped with that situation, right? We, we were working really, really hard, being on the road all the time. From January 1st to the middle of March last year, I took 26 flights. Wow. And I haven't been wow. on a flight since March 13th yeah. of last year, or March 12th. So, yeah. you know, that time that we've been here, you know, it was bad enough to come out of COVID uh, and have a – it was bad enough for, for a lot of people and a lot of reasons, as we all know. But one of the things that we told ourselves is that we were going to use this time to be prepared so that when COVID started to relax, we were going to be prepared to – to just you know come out of the come out of the gate like a rocket, and that's what we think we've done. Wow, that's awesome, man! I, I love hearing that. Uh, the way you've kind of taken a, a negative situation and turned it into something that's going to be real profitable for you guys, and 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 all that. Talk a little bit about your products. I mean, obviously, you you make spirits at Smooth Ambler. Talk about your products. What are you guys known for? You know, what we're known for is whiskey. When we started the distillery, we we started making vodka and gin and then making whiskey whenever we had 
time, right? For people who make, for young distilleries, selling is it is it an immediate concern, right? The ability to generate some revenue, and for us, uh, you know, vodka and gin, and the fact that we we all like like those products, they were really easy, right? You can make vodka today and sell it tomorrow, in essence. But whiskey takes a while, right? So you make it today, you put it into a barrel like this. Uh, screenshot you see behind me you put it into a barrel and you wait five or seven or ten or twelve years and then you sell it so that you know the 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 amount of capital that you have to have to put all those barrels of whiskey away is really massive so that's what we started off doing in 2011 we started sourcing whiskey under the old scout brand you see that a lot in the whiskey business where people will source brands and then if it's successful, they build a distillery. We, we had no intention of ever sourcing whiskey. We kind of fell into it. We were already making whiskey. We kind of fell into the source whiskey business. And um, we, we started that pro- with a product called Old Scout. So everything that says Old Scout is whiskey that we source from other distilleries. Um, and so that, that brand really blew up. It was at a really wonderful time in the, in the bourbon business, uh, you know, in the growing cocktail culture. And so that, that business started to, to that brand started to take off mm. and we had old scout bourbon and old scout rye and a couple of different old scout offerings. So we had the old scout offerings. We slowly started weaning ourselves off of vodka and gin. And, uh, we put out a product that's hundred percent homemade in West Virginia called big level. And then, um, a marriage of what we make here and the old scout is a product called contradiction. So we really have three main SKUs. We have big level that we make in house old scout that we source and we have contradiction that is a blend of those two different efforts now we'll, we'll add to those actually starting this year we'll add to those uh those offerings and, and bring out a rye so we'll have a, we've just released a little bit of old scout rye we'll have a contradiction rye coming out and then this summer we'll have a house-made rye that we're bringing onto the market so we've, we've been preparing that for a long time right about five or six years oh. so just just now the whiskey's mature enough yeah that's really interesting it sounds like uh Sounds like you were you kind of were figuring out the business as you were going along. Is For that- sure, absolutely. We were. <laughs> I listened to one of your other, uh, a couple of of your of your other podcasts, and and um, I think it was Kino Kino Coffee. Yeah, and and he said he had no experience in it, right? And and I said, yeah, <laughs> we we did the same thing. We we had a steep learning curve, and and we certainly. Uh, we were certainly learning as we were going, and we made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah, no so, doubt, no doubt. Well, you learn most from of those, those are behind us. Yeah, you learn from those mistakes, obviously, and that's yeah, that, for that's sure. A, that's a that's part of your story, which is which is pretty cool. As you were sitting there talking about how you put these, you know, put this product whiskey into these barrels, like you said, as you see behind you there on the screen. And then you just got to wait. You know, sometimes it's a decade or more, right? And it reminded me of the old Tom Petty song, uh, the, the Waiting. And he used to sing, the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's awful, there. right? Oh, my gosh. Well, how many barrels do you guys produce? And what, what does that look like, uh, say, on an annual, on an annual basis? Um, the, the most we've ever produced, we have the capability of going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we can produce about 3,000 barrels a year. Hmm. Um, right now we're producing somewhere around, um, maybe 16, 1800 barrels a year, something like that on the, on pace to do that. Yeah. We, we were, we were doing a little more around 1400. Now we're, we pick it up a little bit and, and we're doing that all based off of what we call a barrel model. So take sales projections, you know, five, seven years into the future. How is that going to be broken down by by brand? And then how much whiskey do you need to support that? And so basically we just turn the dial or slow down the dial based off of how many barrels of whiskey we need. Yeah. 
Um, we also, right, we still source whiskey. So um, we buy about the same amount of whiskey uh, from other distilleries that we make. It's pretty. It's a pretty crazy thing to think, right? So we work really, really, really hard to get the best grain and to find the best barrels and to and to you know to mill the grain and mash and ferment and distill and take care of all those things. Or we just put a, a purchase order into somebody who's really, really big and they make whiskey for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the juxtaposition of those two different exercises is has always been really interesting to us, and it's actually some of the things that we've talked about, right? Um, Sourcing whiskey in the U.S. has often been looked at as a negative thing. It's done a lot. People just don't tell the truth about it. We've always decided that we were going to tell the truth about it. Yeah. Right. To tell people that we don't make it and be proud of that. But, um, you know, we, we certainly understand when we source whiskey and it and it gets a, an award, for instance, that uh, you know, somebody else did the heavy lifting in that. And that exercise. Right. We, we just made it available. Yeah. Or hopefully made it better. So, John. Talk a little bit about the uh, the geography uh, that you serve. In other words, where where are your customers at right now? You know, we we've grown substantially since we were since we started. When we started, we um, we were really just in West Virginia, and then we we started you know um, leaking a little bit, working our way over into Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. Um. And then as Old Scout started growing in, say, 13 or 14, our business really took off. And in 17, we sold the majority interest in our business to Pernod Ricard, which is the second largest wine and spirits company in the world. Um, and so right now, our, our geography is pretty big. We're in about 40 states, 42 states. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, we, we, we sell in about five different countries. But certainly, there are a couple of markets that sort of everybody has to play in. So you got to be in New York and Florida and Texas and and you know, Illinois and California, but for us, what's our focus markets are the what we call the West Virginia halo. So pretty much, um, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. Right. Pretty much is if you think yourself of how far can you get in eight hours of driving? Yeah. Mostly on the East Coast. That's where we that's where we focus. That's very cool. How many employees do you have? We have 23 full-time and two part-time employees, tw- one part-time employee now, like 24 employees. It's hard to, it's hard to remember now. I don't, I don't know how people keep track of them when they have three or 400. <laughs> or three or 4,000 even. Or three or 4,000. I mean, seriously, that's, right. that's, that's crazy. What would you say, John? I mean, obviously you've been doing this to, since 2008, really, getting into the business. What would you say is, has been your best business moment so far? Um. Privately, um, there, there was a guy. It's, it's interesting. Some of these things are public. Some of them are very private. Um, we have a friend of ours, a guy named Larry Ebersold, and he was the plant manager, what, what people would now call the master distiller um, at Seagram's, the old plant that we source a lot of whiskey from. It's now called MGP. He was there for about 25 or 30 years. We, we bought some barrels from, from that distillery one time, spent about four or five months blending them. Uh, working really, really hard on making sure they were right. And um, he sent me a message and asked if I'd call him. And I called him up and he said, you know, I, I made really good whiskey and you made this better. And so behind closed doors, it's those things. That's awesome. Um, that's that's yeah, pretty we, cool. When we sold our business, uh, when we sold part of our business, I think 
it was at a time where a lot of distilleries were being gobbled up by other distilleries. You know, we we only sold a piece of it. Uh, we sold we sold the majority interest of it. But you know, they're they're not, they're not pulling us out of West Virginia either. They want us to continue to be who we are. That was a, certainly a big moment. That meant that you know now we were going to play on a national stage. It meant we'd arrived. It meant that we had financial security for for the business for our employees, and that you know here's a company making an investment in the people of West Virginia and the people of Greenbrier County. And that was important to us. And so that, that kind of, for us, that meant that we had, we, we sort of arrived and that was important for me. Yeah. That's very you know, cool. I'm, I'm proud every day. This is a, we, we, up until recently, we, we sign every single bottle that leaves the distillery. We hands, we used to hand sign every bottles. Now we're, now we have a digitizer that does that really just because poor Sarah that works in the back is signed, you know, a million bottles. She, she can't continue to do that. But the fact that we we make a product in West Virginia, Sarah or Dreama or James or Jordan sign that bottle in the in the back in the back, and then that bottle ends up in a cocktail bar in London. It's the craziest story in the world to me, right? You just sometimes you can't even believe it really is happening. Yeah, it's got to be such an awesome feeling. I can only imagine. Very cool, very cool. Let's take uh, take the the opposite end of that equation. Let's talk about your worst business moment. I think sometimes we can learn some real good lessons from our uh, those uh, those deep dark places that we we had to go. Take us to that place of your worst experience. Well, one is um, uh, you know I made a really big financial mistake early on. So we had an opportunity to source a bunch of barrels, um, maybe back in 2011 or 12. Mm-hmm. It was like 10,000 barrels of whiskey that we had a chance to buy it. And I had an investor who was willing to support that. And, you know, I grew up in a 900 square foot house with a son of a single mom teacher. Mm. And I couldn't imagine having $9 million in debt. Uh, to, to serve, you know, even with an investor to, to buy those barrels and we didn't buy them. And it turns out that it probably cost us about 20 million, $20 million. Wow. It, so it, it, you look back and, you know, for, for me, I never look back on our wins too much. I always look back on the thing and think, oh, wow, that we made a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. along the way. And mm-hmm. where would we be if we hadn't made those mistakes? But, you know, we also, we were very conservative. We didn't gamble with those things and we didn't gamble with the future. If it hadn't worked, you know, everybody here would have lost their job and we'd have been in, in, a, in a real bad way. Mm. So in hindsight, I wish we'd have been more, a little more, uh, we'd have gambled a little more instead of being so conservative. Yeah. So that was, that was one of the things that, that we did. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, you're going to make a product and somebody's not going to like it. And I've never really gotten over that. Right. We make, God, we've made 20 something different products over the, you know, in, in different ways, gin, barrel aged gin, whatever. Yeah. Bear of, you know, cash strength whiskeys and, and people just aren't going to like those things. Right. I mean, you might eat a tomato and think it's the greatest thing in the world. And the person beside you doesn't want tomatoes. <laughs> and you know, I always tell people, right. The battle between Coke and, and Pepsi, half the world doesn't think one of those is good. And they, both of those companies seem to do all right. And they spend they spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year trying to convince each other for that one percent of market share or whatever, right? That's that's right. But you you know, I've focused on that too much. Every marketing person would say that's a really bad thing to do, right? Focus on the people who love you. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's hard to do that. It's hard to when somebody tells you they don't like something. It's hard to you know somebody to hear your your child's ugly. Damn. But we've tried to be there when that happens too. So we're not just here when when somebody is heaping praise on us. We want to be there when there's when you got to take one on the chin, and you know we nobody gets better by having smoke blown up their butt, right? They sometimes you got to hear the harsh words and you do that. And so for us, I think taking those and accepting the challenge that we've got to be better uh, in, in everything that we do. And so we we work tirelessly and obsessively to make sure that we're better today than we were yesterday. And we hope that that over time that that puts us in a really different category. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had uh, Tom Crabtree on this podcast a couple of weeks ago from the West Virginia Great Barrel Company. And you guys, I mean, they're making uh, the finest whiskey barrel in the world right there in Greenbrier County. How? What's your relationship with Tom and the, and the West Virginia Great Barrel Company? It's It's been absolutely fabulous. Um, it turns out, you know, my, my father-in-law, who I started the business with, has been gone since 2017. He he helps at the, um, uh, you know, he's he's one of the one of the guys at uh, you know that works underneath Tom at, at yeah. the West Virginia Great Barrel yeah. Company. Yeah. And they we've been we've been excited about that project really since we first heard about it, and we have a great relationship with them. Uh, so not only do we buy a, a lot of our barrels from them, our regular barrels from them, we also have the ability to do some really cool projects with them because how, how local they are. So, um, Paul Jackson, who, uh, handles our, some of our production uh, at the distillery and, uh, Andrew Robinson, who does blending and bottling here. And then Travis Hammond, who's our operations manager. We, we all went to, or they all went to, uh, West Virginia great barrel company. Uh, they went to the, to the Cooperage or actually to the stave mill first, went and found some trees that were, had been recently been failed and they were, uh, they averaged about 127 years old. They were north facing, slow growth trees. Wow. We selected those trees. Um, we turned those into staves. They set out in the in the yard and got what they call yard age, which is like a, what they call or seasoning, which is re- removing the newness out of the staves. Yeah. And then we had barrels made out of that about, uh, about a couple of months ago. So I think they were 12 or 18 month yard aged. 127 year old wood. And so we have the ability to find you know, trees that are made in West Virginia, seasoned in West Virginia, the Cooperage eight, you know, the Cooperage built right here and to be able to do unique things with them, toast them and char them the way we want to. So yeah. the, the relationship and the proc, you know, it's like, they're like nine miles away. So the proximity to the, to the distillery is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and so we have the ability to do all kinds of really, really cool things. So we're going to put out a whiskey in five years from now or seven years from now that is West Virginia corn, West Virginia wheat. The malt doesn't come from here. Um, you know, it's going to be West Virginia wood, seasoned, built, aged right here in West Virginia. So who's doing that? Yeah, it's super cool, man. I, I, just, Amazing. Just the story behind it is, is awesome, and I love the passion in your voice and you're telling that story. I mean, you could tell that you're you're fired up about it too, and I love that. It's uh, awesome. I, I couldn't I couldn't be more excited about the relationship we have with it. We're, we're working on another little experiment too, a toasted barrel project that we're doing with them, and so we, we just put some more whiskey away and some really cool, unique barrels. It's, it's a there's already aged whiskey that we're going to finish in a new barrel, uh, and so we did that 
they, they brought the barrels over. We, we, we told them we'd contribute the whiskey if they'd contribute the barrels as a, you know, as a gamble on a special project to see if it works. And, <laughs> That's neat. And uh, we'll see, see what it takes like in a couple of months. That's awesome, man. I want to take a, a second just to mention the sponsors that we have for Positively West Virginia. They include Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. The support we receive from these West Virginia companies allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia related to business. Our guest today is John Little of Smooth Ambler Spirits. John is the CEO and the the head distiller, I guess, right, is is your title. CEO and head distiller uh, at Smooth Ambler Spirits. They're located in Maxwellton, West Virginia. John, let's jump right back into it. What's the vision that you have for Smooth Ambler long term? We want to be a top five uh, American whiskey brand outside the state of uh, Kentucky. So, you know, we're, we're not going to be, we're not going to be one of the, it's the size of one of the, uh, whatever heritage distilleries in Kentucky. If you take all of the American whiskey being produced outside of that state, we want to be in the top five of that uh, in the next five years. Yeah. So we, we currently rank about 13th. So we got a long way to go. No doubt. That, that's that's a, that's a very ambitious goal, but it's also very impressive that you're in the top 20, right? I mean, that's that's, pretty, right. that's super cool. Uh, you know, what? I guess the thing I, that I keep thinking about is I hear, you know, we have a, a, an amazing food and beverage uh, entrepreneur uh, movement in West Virginia. I mean, I talk to these folks every every week, you know, different companies just like yours, Smooth Ambler, uh, doing really cool stuff, whether it's a microbrewery or somebody who's a, you know, a, a gourmet mushroom producer, right? In the West Virginia, we're, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And I'm wondering, like, what's that like, you know, doing business as a, a distillery in West Virginia? What's what's the, you know, is there a lot of hoops you have to jump through? What Talk a little bit about that. There, there are a lot of hoops that you have to, to jump through, right? Uh, the, the, the federal regulations are, are pretty mind-numbing to think about how much stuff you have to go through to, to get registered on a continual basis. Um, and, of course, we're, we're fairly religious about, about the safety of our product and the quality of our product, so we're following a bunch of guidelines that our corporate partner helps us put into place as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you got to do everything on the state level. So lot, lots, of, lots of hoops to go through. Um, we're pretty experienced in that now, so it, it's it's not a, something that a piece of our part of our time that really occupies too much of that, right? It's it's just standard practice these days. Yeah, you know, making something in West Virginia when we first started, that was one of the things that we really wanted to do was to produce something that that wasn't really you know that wasn't moonshine, it wasn't uh, necessarily Hatfield and McCoy kind of whiskey right i mean i love the hatfield hatfield mccoy trails is a different kind of thing but yeah. uh you know we, we didn't want to make moonshine and we want to didn't want to be a couple of people that you know were smoking corn cob pipes but uh by, by still we wanted to make a, a high-end you know, best in the world first rate product here in west virginia and to showcase that it can be done here in west virginia mm. so we looked to other people who had done that hall's chocolate was one of those people yeah. right that we were yep. just blown away with yep. thought the packaging was great thought the product was great and and over the last 10 years we've like you say we've we've started to seeing see a, a lot of people doing that in the in the appalachian food movement jq dickinson salt yeah people doing honey and syrup and 
you know, Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company right across the street from us now, um, Hawks Knob. Uh, there's a cidery in Greenbrier County now called Hawks Knob that yeah. probably makes the best cider I've ever had anywhere. Mm. And and so it can be done in West Virginia, right? We we're, we need to get rid of whatever stereotype is left over about about West Virginia. Man, this is a great place to live. God, it, <laughs> tell me anywhere. I, I, I like to I like I like my joke, right? My joke is is there's three things I don't like about West Virginia. And that's January, February, and March. <laughs> but tell me where there's a better place to live in this in the in the man, Greenbrier County, April through December. As good as it gets. Yeah, no doubt. And it's awesome. We we love being here. We love being part of, uh, you know, a positive image of West Virginia. And we think there's a lot of people that have supported our di- idea of that, supported what we're doing. And there's a lot more of that happening in the state. So I'm glad y'all are talking about it because people need to hear these success stories. Yeah, absolutely. Just just about every one of those companies you mentioned we've had on the show here since 2017. So that's <laughs> you and I are like we're like. Soul Brothers or something. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I don't know yeah. exactly what that is, but it's uh, we're on the same page for sure, man. I, I think that's awesome. How do you, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, you sold part of your company to a larger corporate company uh, partner. How do you attract new customers to Smooth Ambler? How do you get your product out there these days? What's what's working for you? Um. Well, how do this is a really difficult time to get people to the distillery, right? The yeah, COVID right. world right now is, right. is kind of crazy. So our business and our business and our tasting room has grown every year. We've been open mm. until this year. We're down, we're down quite a bit this year. And that's really just because of COVID related travel is, is down right, right over the last, but whatever rolling 12. So, you know, we, we rely on other, at least locally, I'm talking about now, we rely on the, the success of our, uh, you know, our, um, Convention and Visitors Bureau folks, uh, the Greenbrier. Right, we're only about ten miles from the Greenbrier, eleven miles from the Greenbrier. And so when they're busy, we're busy. Mm. When people are in Lewisburg, we're busy. People are people. We're we're a town of thirty five hundred people in a county of thirty a county of thirty five thousand people. Yeah. So when people are here, we're we're busy. So we we want all the other shops to be busy, and we and we need lots of people promoting tourism in West Virginia. To, to, to make us successful. And we've tried to drive some of that ourselves with special releases and special events that, you know, now we can't do because of COVID. How do we attract people to the brand and as a whole, not just in West Virginia? We're, we're mostly digital, almost exclusively digital. So we don't do, we do very little print media. Uh, we do a little bit of local stuff. Actually, we're just getting ready to come out with the first local print media we've done in a long time, long time. Um, but m- mostly do digital. So we're Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and we do some what we call organic content on there. And then we also do paid programming, paid media, uh, and we push like that. We do quite a bit of events. Uh, you know, again, pre- pre-COVID, we, were, we had this thing called the Whiskey Wagon. So we built a wagon that has a full bar inside of it. Um, and so we would carry your product across state lines. So we take this empty bar, this empty truck, and we drive it across state lines get somewhere, buy the product. We buy our own product back from somebody else. And then we, we hire a, a bartender or some sort of contracting service. And we, um, we get them to basically open up a bar in there. Uh, we do a lot of events, things like that. So for us, that that's really it. So we, we do some in-store work tastings when in states that allow it. Uh, so some sort of promotions at the store level. We do these, what we call activations with the whiskey wagon. And then we're mostly a digital 
brand and we and we push those digital channels pretty big yeah super cool man uh, thanks for that insight i appreciate you sharing some of those uh, uh insider secrets if you will uh john i gotta just ask you i mean sitting here talking about the uh the whiskey wagon what's your favorite way to enjoy smooth ambler i'm a my absolute favorite way is uh is in a cocktail um you know, I, I won't make those things at home i'm i'm pretty um I'm pretty lazy after work. So I, if I'm having a cocktail, I'm usually just drinking something simple like a bourbon and ginger. Yeah. Um, if I'm on the road, I'm having something really nice like an old fashioned or a Manhattan. My favorite drink in the world is called a brown derby. Yeah. So love, love, love going into these great cocktail bars across the country and having a brown derby. Uh, you know, this is a weird place, right? So the business is really weird. We drink a lot of cash strength whiskey during work. So in the morning, uh, when your palate is, is most fresh, we line up barrel samples. So in our conference room, there's a line of barrel samples every day, usually six, and there's a sheet. And we have a list or a group of about six people, and they'll walk through that barrel sample. And they'll, so they'll nose it, and then they'll taste it, and then they'll get the finish on it. Most of the time, they, they spit can't drink a whole lot of cash drink whiskey in the morning. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and then they, and they write the notes on that. And then a panel of six people scores that whiskey. And then from that, it determines where that barrel is going to go. Is it going to be aged for a, a, up further and go into a single barrel? Is it not quite ready? And we're going to age it some more. Is mm. it going into contradiction? Where is it going? And so we do that pretty much every single day at the distillery. Mm. And that's a weird thing, right? When you're in, you're in a professional setting and the first thing you do at nine o'clock in the morning is go taste whiskey. <laughs> so when we get home, we we're, we're interested in not drinking cash drink whiskey. There you go. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing some insight. That's real, real yeah. candid stuff and great, uh, great content. I really do appreciate that. What's one of the biggest challenges you face as a business right now? Uh, the biggest challenges. I think just, you know, the standard growing pains well, right now, it's, it's pretty much COVID related. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a bill in the Senate right now that it's gonna, we hopefully will allow some, well, sorry, just went out of the house. It's, we hopefully allow uh, direct to consumer shipping for the distilleries. You know, if people aren't coming to the distillery, we, our business is not necessarily in jeopardy, but it certainly suffers yeah. when people aren't visiting. So sure. we're trying to get some, some things put in place that can give us a little more opportunity here. Um, I think then just just regular growing pains as we're growing, we're kind of running out of room here. So we're trying to, we don't want to uh, ever replace employees. We want to continue to add employees, but at some point in time, you can't put any more people in the building. You need some machinery. So we're just kind of going through a little bit of that, need a little more, more space. Sure. We've added some automated machinery here to help. And I think it's really keeping up with, with that. Right. So we kind of a funny thing back in September, we bought this, we, we've always bottled everything by hand. So we had this, uh, this little bottler that looked basically like cow udders and you had to put every one of them on the bottler all by hand. And we did that for really about nine, 10 years. Um, so back in September, we just got this really automatic, fully automated line and it does it all. It rinses the bottles and it fills them and puts a cork in them. As as we say, automagically. Right. (laughs) Well then what happened is then we realized that there's, you know, there's a, there's a bottleneck on the labeler. So we just got a bottler and the bottler sped up. Well, now the labeler won't keep up. So now we got to <laughs> figure out getting a new labor. So, you know, the problem just keep, goes from one thing to the next thing yeah. as, as you grow. And, 
And so that that's that's always a little bit of a fun thing, uh, and, and it's fun to see that change. And yeah, and, the, and look, those are the challenges that keep work fun every yeah, day, right? Absolutely. Trying to figure out what's next. Yeah, that you find joy in solving problems, right? I can just tell for it for sure. Yeah, I I think about um, as you were talking about that whiskey wagon, and I asked the question about the challenge. I I'd be remiss if I didn't have this vision that I uh, that went through my brain. Um, a friend of mine uh, who owns a local bar here in Morgantown. It's a, actually a, he has a couple of uh, restaurants, and and each one of the restaurants has a bar in them. I said, you know, he was really struggling, you know, during the, especially the height of the pandemic in the early spring last year. And I said, you know, can you see if you can get like a, a special permit from the state, you know, uh, yeah, whatever it's called, the ABC. Uh, yep. You know, I said, do a mobile margarita truck like a like the ice cream truck but take it into neighborhoods parents will be running out with 20s and 50s being like hey margarita man right. I, th- I thought about the whiskey wagon there have probably been a lot of a lot of parents that would been happy to see you this past summer <laughs> yeah everybody with kids at home that, that, uh, yeah. yeah i shouldn't make jokes about that but it is kind of funny john i gotta ask you uh you know you're you're a guy who hails from um South Carolina or North Carolina, right? North Carolina. And you're doing business. You have, you're the CEO of a company, started this company uh, in, in West Virginia, there in Greenbrier County. So you're, you're kind of like our target audience. We're trying to, you know, recruit people to come here and start a business here. Or if you're a young person, don't leave our state, start your business here, find a niche, find something you're, that you love to do and that you're good at. And there's a market for what's one piece of advice you would give to young people who are thinking about this entrepreneurial uh, journey well, here in West Virginia, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? Wow. That is a really fabulous question. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what makes someone start something. Um, I, I don't know if I have any advice for someone to start something, but I, I think advice for people that are, that are in it, the single greatest piece of advice that I ever got. Hmm. And I think it relates to any career or anything, which is people overestimate what they can do in one year and they underestimate what can be done in 10. Hmm. And I have that, that comment has been on my mind almost every day since I started it. The guy that told me that also followed it up with, in 10 years, you'll be an overnight success. <laughs> and I think that's, that's something that everybody needs to hear, right? We're, we're in a world of instant gratification, even, mm-hmm. uh, even all of us who have been through it, right? We expect everything to happen right away. And it really doesn't work that way, right? You, mm-hmm. the, look, I've got, who's got it better than me is something I have to say sometimes. I have my own company. We're successful. We've sold part of our business, right? And and I struggle, right? It's it, I don't want to get up and go to work on Monday morning after I've had a great weekend. I don't want to get up and face all those issues and challenges every single day. We all have those days. But you know what? You just get up and go to work every day, and you work until the job is done and, or until you have the confidence to be able to lay your head down on the pillow and say, I've done a good thing today. Hmm. And I, I think that's it. You, you got to work you got to go to work every day and you got to work hard. And if, if you do that, right. I, 
the old, I guess it's the old saying, right? That luck is for those who prepare. Yeah, we, we've been lucky on the way. We were pretty prepared when those when those opportunities awesome. came to our door. I and love so it. For me, that I think, I think that's it. And and yeah, I think that's it. That's great. I I, I really relate to that because, uh, and you didn't know this, but I'm in my tenth year of owning my own business, and so, <laughs> like you said, I sometimes it feels like a ten year overnight success. It's it is awesome. Right. I, I, I loved I loved every word that you said there, and and that is. Excellent, excellent advice for anybody to hear. What's one thing you do every every day, John, that you think contributes to your success? I think I just heard it right there. You get up every day and work and work hard, and like you know, before you lay your head down at, at night, make sure you've done something worthwhile. But uh, I want to I want to hear it directly from you. What's one thing you do every every day that you think contributes to your success? I check in with my people every day. Hmm. Right. So when I, when I come to the distillery or if I'm not here, I check in with, I talk to our, I talk to our, uh, people in blending and bottling. I talk to people on the production floor I talk to the people in the bottling room itself. Uh, operations manager from, I, I probably talk to, if we've got, you know, if we got 20, not, not everybody works every day. So if we have 20 people on a shift a day, I probably talk to 16 of them every day. And, uh, What's you know, seeing if there's anything, and I, sometimes I, I know something's wrong, and I just keep my eye on it, right? Sometimes somebody's not happy, and you, is it work related? Is it family related? I think that's one of the things that I that I have done really well is that I've tried to keep my finger on the pulse, um, pretty much all of the time. Um, so I, I think I think that's something that's that I've done that I've done pretty well. I'm a I've tried to surround myself with people who are smarter than me. Yeah. That's I got, good stuff. I got, you know, I got my operations manager smarter than me, my controller smarter than me. So, um, you know, let them do their job and I check in with them to see how they're doing and see if they need anything from me. That's pretty much what, what I've tried to do. That's awesome. Great leadership advice as well. What's one book or even a podcast that you'd recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs? Wow. Um, um, I, I'm. I'm always, um, you know, overcoming obstacles sort of thing. So a lot of times I'm reading, um, old, old, some older book, a uh, book I read just a while back was, you know, into thin air. <laughs> so completely unrelated to business, but goodness gracious, what makes somebody want to climb Mount Everest? Yeah, um, exactly. So that it's been, it's been, honestly, I haven't been reading as much as I, I should lately. I've been kind of immersed in, in work, but, um, and, and I'm just getting into podcasts. It sounds pretty crazy, I know, but I'm just I've just been getting into into podcasts. Yeah, there's. It, I always talk about this. First of all, I appreciate you sharing that into thin air. We'll make sure we put that on our resources section of the positivelywv.com uh, resources page. But uh, podcasts are an, an, an amazing uh, you know venue to get content right and learn from people and and truthfully I, I have about a half dozen that I listen to on a regular basis but I love exploring new territory because you know you know I feel like there's 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 an infinite amount of ideas out there but really based on a couple of finite truths right <laughs> so it's just kind of neat to be able to explore different different ways of approaching a subject or a problem and I think that's what we just live in a cool time right now having access to yeah, you know, so much information on our phone or you know on the internet or whatever. So, yeah, it's great, uh, great insight on that. I appreciate that, John. We've covered a lot in this interview. Is there anything else that you'd think our listeners should know about your story or Smooth Ambler? 
I, no, I just, you know, I think, I think it comes across, but I just want to let people know, I think what we're doing in West Virginia is really unique and, and wonderful. You know, we're, we're buying about a million and a half pounds of West Virginia grain every year. We're, we're employing not just the people at the distillery, but, you know, by farmers and the people that make barrels and uh, our waste is cattle feed. So the people that haul off our cattle feed every day, yeah. build, build boxes or sell us glasses. I think between all of that and the uh, and the fact that we're trying to get people to come to West Virginia, I think in, in 19, we, we we caused a little over 300 hotel rooms to be booked in Lewisburg, hotel nights. Yeah. And so it's it's certainly not um, it's not the, the largest impact the state's ever seen, but certainly we're doing our part to to, to make a difference in, in our community. And I think that's all anybody can ask is, you know, do whatever whatever your gig is. You know, do your little piece to make something better in your community, and I think you're doing what what we all should be doing. I love it, and I think uh, you know, just thinking, just listening to your words there. I mean, just we're all doing our our part uh, to help um, you know West Virginia grow, thrive. We have, like you said at the beginning of the show, we have an amazing place to live. You know, and and yeah, there's a lot of beautiful places in the world, right? But we 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 get to live here, and and the people, honestly. Or the differentiator, you know, uh, you got people that want to help you succeed. They want to see you succeed. You know, you know that you know Tom Crabtree and the West Virginia Great Barrel Company people right down nine miles from your your you know your distillery. You know the people in your community. You, you know, and I think that's the key to it is the fact that we've got all these amazing opportunities. We just got to harvest it. We got to celebrate and help each other uh, inspire people. And that's what I love about your story. It's very inspirational. And I think it's just just great, uh, great to hear a success story like what you're doing. Um, in closing, John, how can our listeners learn more about Smooth Ambler Spirits and maybe even get in contact with you personally? Uh, well, you can certainly do all of the, uh, all the usual things. We have a uh, Facebook page, Instagram page, uh, those, those ways are pretty easy to get a hold of us. We have a really cool thing we've just implemented. Uh, if you go to our Instagram page and in our, in our bio, we have a link there and you can go to a page. You can take a virtual tour of the distillery. So you can walk through and see all of our facility and watch videos about how to produce whiskey and watch a video on what our whiskey tastes like, why, why each skew tastes its own unique way. And uh, so that's a really, that's a really easy thing to do. And to get in touch with me, it's easy. You can call the distillery, right? So uh, if I'm not here that day, they'll take a message, and I'll call you back by the end of the day, probably. So <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we, I don't have a gatekeeper, really. So That's great. Know, we, we try to be accessible to everybody. Awesome stuff. And we have links to all that uh, on the Facebook page as well as uh, the show notes section of the podcast. John, it's been a real honor to have you on the podcast today. I think what you're doing is amazing, and I just encourage you to keep up the great work down there. Jim, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the support, and yeah. uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State in business, just like my new friend John Little of Smooth Ambler Spirits in Maxwellton, West Virginia, our hope is that we in some way equipped you and inspired you with his business story. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website, PositivelyWV.com. And we 
of course, appreciate your comments and encouragement and your reviews on iTunes and all those other places. And uh, we also encourage you to share these stories on your social media channels as well. And be sure to check out our weekly show, the Positively West Virginia Small Business Mastermind, every Friday from 11 a.m. to noon, where we bring you a panel of business experts from around the state each week to help small business leaders win. Positively West Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can learn more about our mission of advancing small business and entrepreneurship in West Virginia at PositivelyWV.com. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia, but test negative.